Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In today's podcast, you will hear from leading experts in myelodysplastic syndromes who discuss the treatment and management of high-risk disease and future outlooks. First, you will hear from Uwe Platzbecker and Naval Deva, who discuss the current state of the art in high-risk MDS, as well as unmet needs and future therapeutic strategies being explored. The current state-of-the-art the therapy uh, approach for high-risk MDS patients is unfortunately, at least uh, in the majority of the country, still azacidin uh, only because it's uh, the uh, only approved uh, HMA, at least in the European Union. It's also, decidabin is also approved in the US for these patients, but in our uh, arena here in uh, the European Union, it's azacidin. Um, the issue with azacidin is um, that it is active, but only in less than 50% of the patients. And if activity is seen with regards to CR, PR, or HI, it's not very long lasting. So therefore, many clinical studies are underway or have been already presented at the EHA meeting, um, investigating novel combinations with azacidin plus agent XYZ in order to improve outcome. The high-risk MDS field remains an area of major unmet need. For the last 20 plus years, uh, we've only had approval of the HMAs, azacidine, decidabine. Numerous drugs have been evaluated in this space combined with azacidine, such as Revlimid, Vorinostat, and others, and we've seen multiple negative results. And uh, five drugs have recently been evaluated in the frontline setting combined with azacitidine. Two of these have read out. Uh, APR combined with azacitidine TP53 mutated MDS unfortunately did not meet the primary efficacy endpoint of CR, although there was a benefit, it did not meet the statistical requirement. Azacitidine pevanidostat versus azacitidine placebo also did not meet the primary endpoint. But the other studies that are ongoing uh, include drugs megrolimab, venetoclax, sabatulimab. We're especially quite excited about both venetoclax and megrolimab. These uh, have now quite a good uh, number of patients with uh, follow-up mature data, both in MDS AML. And of course, venetoclax has already been approved in frontline AML. The data in MDS frontline looks very encouraging, high response rates, CR rates, good tolerability, and similarly for azacitidine megrolimab. So they are both in randomized studies, which in the next year, year and a half, we should have data. And we're hoping both of the drugs could get approved. And then the question will be, do we select patients based on their underlying mutation, for example, IDH1, IDH2, SRSF2, respond very well to venetoclax-based therapies in AML and probably in MDS, whereas TP53 secondary AM, MDS uh, adverse side will respond well to megrolimab. And so we could select patients based on their underlying cytogenetic molecular profile as well as fitness and tolerability. But then also we would uh, evaluate the combination of the azacitidine, venetoclax, megrolimab in MDS. So. We have to wait to see uh, what happens, but we're hoping both those studies will be positive and we should know soon. Now you will hear from Andrew Bruner, who shares some insights into the challenges of treating high-risk MDS, the role of epronetopopt, and lessons to be carried into the clinic. P53 mutated uh, MDS, higher risk MDS is a, a real challenge. I think all of us in the clinic 
um, when faced with patients who have this disease, you know, really struggle for how to provide them the best therapy. And there are some treatments that work for too few patients um, and responses are not uh, long enough. So really it's an area of immediate uh, need that um, uh, I'm glad is being explored. Uh, and APR246 or pranendapop um, is one such way that we can learn a lot. This is a, a very large cohort of patients with P53 mutated disease. Um, randomized between either azacitidine or azacitidine plus epronetapop in the phase three study. Um, and also reflecting a lot of uh, early phase uh, data, phase one slash two uh, studies that have shown how we can uh, think about um, this disease. I, you know, I think we're all waiting for the final phase three data and it will be really important to learn from. A, a resounding echoing message from this meeting is just how much we can learn from our experiences in these phase three trials, regardless of the endpoint. Um, we learn about the biology of the disease, we learn about who uh, has some meaningful benefits, and we learn about how to design better trials for our patients and the future and efforts such as Milomatch or other efforts. Um, how do we refine those so we really are doing uh, well for our patients. Um, I think that there are, are a lot of lessons um, that we can take directly into the clinic, um, particularly around how we deal with uh, novel biomarkers, how we, the heterogeneity of this disease, uh, MDS, even within one gene mutation has so much heterogeneity, it's really challenging. Um, and also, how do we think about transplant and uh, more definitive therapies or phases of treatment. Um, and so while we're still waiting <laughs> on some of the final results of, with APR246, no matter what, I think it will put the, push the field forward. Lastly, you will hear from Justin Taylor, who briefly explains targeting XPO1 in high-risk MDS and the promise of Eltonexor as a therapeutic agent in this patient population. What I was talking about was focusing on high-risk MDS patients that have been uh, treated with hypomethylene agent and the therapy has failed them. They haven't failed the therapy, but the, the, the therapy has failed to uh, you know, adequately give them a, a response and that happens in about 50 to 60% of patients. So it's a, a big need and uh, particularly we're focusing on uh, one target, but there's many. And so um, one thing that I study in my lab is this protein XPO1, which exports proteins out of the nucleus and that has been shown to be a, a good target in uh, other cancers and it's led to FDA approval of a drug called Selenexor. And uh, so I reviewed some of the data on Selenexor and MDS. There were a lot of toxicities with that drug in these patients who you know, already have low blood counts and, and decreasing those blood counts further, um, you know, is, is not necessarily helpful, and we had great discussions about endpoints uh, in trials. And so luckily there's a second generation drug called Eltonexor, which uh, seems to be a little more, more tolerable, but um, both of these were early phase studies, so you know, not to be rushed into the clinic, I think they just show that there was some activity, uh, and they are expanding the study to enroll more patients. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple, and Podbean. Until next time.